By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Always fun when I get to catch up with uh, Mr. David Wiley of the OZ. You can see that beautiful website right there, OkanaganZ.com. Get all your cannabis news. Uh, get all your cannabis news fixes taken care of and uh, sign up for their newsletter that comes out every Friday as I bring in my good friend David Wiley and say happy 420 to you, sir. Uh, I know that uh, it's a little bit different now, but still we can safely enjoy, um, you know, what is basically kind of the, the, the pot lover's Christmas kind of thing, is it not? Hello. Well, happy 420 to you. I mean, it's a day that we uh, often get to get together and uh, hang out. You know, like you said, it's a little different this year with COVID-19. But there's a lot of stuff happening at lo local cannabis shops and, you know, sales and giveaways and that sort of thing. And there's virtual events. So that's something if you're able to uh, get out to one of those. And uh, yeah, happy 420. I hope that uh, everyone has a good time and does it safely. Indeed. Uh, I, I know last year at this time it was really quiet, uh, but I have seen some pop-ups in the Alberta area going on. Uh, so as long as we can do it safely, abide by the local regulations wherever you are when it comes to COVID. Uh, I just like getting out and seeing what's going on, whether there's pop-ups or not, visiting my favorite bud tenders. It, 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 like I said, it's kind of like Christmas. You know, at Christmas time, you want to get around to all your friends and say hi. And, you know, when we could uh, do a lot of hugging and things like that. And at least now I want to get around and, you know, tell my, the bud tenders that I, I have a good rapport with that, you know, I appreciate them. And this is a busy day for them and a day to, to celebrate. So I think we could all get out and uh, just tell some of our favorite bud tenders how much we appreciate them on this particular day. Uh, okay, let's get into this first story that we're going to discuss, and, and this is an interesting article out of a Forbes out of Forbes magazine, and this is something that you and I and, and you know Chris Ionson on Know Your Buds and, and Malcolm LaBelle on the business of cannabis we talk about quite often about you know not shopping for cannabis just based on THC, and now science is backing up what we said. We already knew we were correct in in talking about the entourage effect, but you know science is also uh, backing this up, and you know maybe this is how we educate more people about not shopping just based on the THC number. Well, the attention uh, grabbing headline sure captures it basically says science reveals the cannabis industry's greatest lie that you're buying weed wrong. And so is everyone else. Um, you know, the premise is put forth by a piece by Chris Roberts on Forbes. He argues that there's more to weed than THC. Yeah. Like you said, which uh, you know, those of us, who partake in flower uh, certainly have come to know. Uh, basically, you know, in the weed world, the consumer wants what the consumer wants, and that's high THC at the lowest price. Uh, early on, I heard from retailers that if flower was below 20% THC, that nobody really wanted it, um, you know, which is kind of a sad thought. Uh, and it feels like that percentage just keeps on creeping up, maybe 22, 23% now. Um, you know, Roberts points to research conducted by the University of Colorado, published in JAMA Psychiatry, that found that uh, THC content really is not a great indicator of potency and doesn't seem to get you more high. Uh, that study is a small one. Um, researchers documented the experiences of uh, 121 cannabis users 
and whether they had high THC or low THC flower, they all had about the same um, type of experience. And that, of course, has the key exception of edibles, where, you know, the research notes that 10 milligrams and 100 milligrams is a whopper of a difference that way. Uh, you know, I really appreciated the analogy from this piece, basically saying that judging a cannabis strain on its THC content is not unlike judging a film based on the lead actor. Uh, you know, the THC number just isn't going to be an indicator of the overall performance. And, you know, the conversation is turning more and more now to terpenes and other factors. It's so true. You know, listen, I am uh, I'm a, I'm a huge um, John Wayne fan as far as Westerns. But that doesn't mean I want, I think every John Wayne movie is great just because he's in it and I like westerns. You know, I like westerns with Clint Eastwood. Most of them are really great, but not all Clint Eastwood shows I am going to watch. Things like that. That's a really good analogy for a lot of people. Now, the THC should be part of the equation, but just not all of the equation. You have to factor in uh, CBD, the other cannabinoids that we don't even know a lot about yet, but we will, and, of course, terpenes. And so I, I just think that this was so interesting. You know, we can shout this from the rooftops all we want, David, but now science is saying it, and a lot of people... For some reason, believe science more than you know two guys on a podcast. <laughs> well, science does take into account you know uh, more more experiences, and uh, you know the the research notes too that there's just really other aromatic compounds um, in cannabis, and all of these work together in that phenomenon that you mentioned before, known as the entourage effect, and uh, that's really why, interestingly, synthetic THC just doesn't have the same medical effects as um, using the, the plant. And we talk about how amazing that plant is. Uh, you know, it's complicated and uh, more and more research is being done into it. And that is a good thing. You know, what's interesting about uh, this piece as well is, uh, you know, they, they talk about, and, and you mentioned it about, you know, stores or dispensaries that are saying, if it's not, you know, this percentage of THC we just just don't even use it we don't want it it's you know it's not going to sell and that's so unfortunate that's going to change I always use the analogy of you know you don't you you wouldn't buy your wine most of the time based on alcohol percentage uh, the lead singer a analogy is uh, is a very good one that I that I enjoy in that, that piece as well and you know this like a lot of things David is um, it, it it's going to be it's going to be rather um, at time and, and education and us, you know, keep uh, pounding at home that we got to research more and we got to learn more. And it's not just about that one number. It is uh, unfortunately going to take a little bit of time. Um, and, and that's why we're here. We have uh, we have the time to be able to spread that message. So hopefully people will learn from this as we go. You know, for 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 most people in the grand scheme of things, legal marijuana is very new because they've never tried it. Uh, you know, even for people that have tried it in the black market, some of this stuff is new. Um, the exception would be maybe medical patients who know a little bit more uh, about that uh, in the, in that scenario. Okay, let's get to this next story. And this is something that I, I think we are going to be seeing more of, um, not just in the cannabis industry, but in industry all over. The pandemic has uh, shown a lot of people that uh, and businesses that they don't need as big of uh, maybe office space. Now, in the cannabis industry, it's a little bit different, but flour is, uh, they're going all out with a sale right now. It's It's been fascinating watching 
the flower corporation over the last little while, you know, they, they have, uh, one of the most popular, a uh, couple of the most popular products out there with their BC pink Kush and mm-hmm. then their BC black cherry. Um, you know, they've won awards for their branding and their advertising. Um, and even amidst all this, we're seeing a company that's shrinking. Um, Flowers announced now that it's closing its Toronto headquarters, and that's among other cost-cutting measures. And they're bringing their executives back home to Kelowna. Um, They're selling off assets. They are subleasing their leases. They are um, right-sizing, quote-unquote, as they say, so basically cutting staff. But there's no mention of how that's going about. They've announced that they're going to be selling uh, acres of land in Kelowna, that they're going to be selling all of their a large scale extraction equipment. So we're seeing a company that is shrinking rather than growing despite successes. Um, you know, Flower also says that it's going to be exiting all of its non-core, their words, jurisdictions. So that includes Australia, uh, Uruguay, Spain. So basically international markets that other companies are trying to step into, Flower is stepping out of and coming back to what they're calling a homegrown focus. So let's just talk about for a second to uh, another aspect of this story. Uh, on the heels of this announcement that they're going to be, be making all these cutbacks, this Okanagan-based company announced its new CEO. Uh, he's Daryl Brooker, and Brooker is moving from wine to weed. He previously served as president of Mission Hill Family Estate in West Kelowna, Um, He's also served as VP at Cedar Creek Estate Winery. So these are local Okanagan companies where Flowers Base, um, you know, they have a a really good reputation in an industry industry that's very similar. So we're we're seeing, you know, this big, uh, far-reaching, at one point international company just moving back into, uh, you know, its its home and its base. And I, I think that that's something that we're going to be seeing more of across the country um you know we've got sort of this like on the one hand this group of companies that's really been pushing their international presence um you know on whatever success that they've made here at home and then on the other hand we have companies like flower that's really shrinking that footprint and trying to bring it back to um the basics and bring it home and you know whether that's just to survive it feels like that's that's what it is um even mentioning their their marketing uh, you know, their their um, agency of repute is zero trillion and they're offering them, uh, you know, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars or so in stock uh, just in order to pay that bill. So uh, so there's struggles here. And basically the strategy that they're employing is to bring it back home. Well, I know all about right-sizing. I was right-sized right out of the broadcasting industry, so that's an an interesting term that uh, seems to be making its way uh, around lots of different uh, industries. And you know, they're they're selling land. Uh, You know, they're 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 shutting down in Kelowna. They're also or Toronto and and moving to Kelowna, but they're selling land. And Mm -hmm. you know, this is this is the, the I guess the. The times that we're in for some companies, uh, like I said, not just with cannabis. I think a lot of companies are realizing we don't need as much space as we might have. And and in the cannabis uh, industry, you know, you have to do what you have to do to to keep going and, and make sure you pay the bills. And and obviously, flour is going to be concentrating on flour, uh, which is kind of their you know their their core and their their staple. 
and, and which they've done great at. So it's hmm. fascinating to see, you know, a company with such a good reputation and presumably sales to back up that uh, that reputation, um, you know, shrinking its footprint. Uh, indeed. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope this is, uh, you know, post-COVID, uh, some of these companies uh, get back to, you know, maybe not what they what they were expecting in the beginning, but get back to that because ultimately it leads to job loss. And, and that's the that's the most unfortunate thing about all of this. Uh, you know, whether a company is making the different kind of concentrates isn't the big thing for me. It's that, you know, where are these people going to get their next meal and their, pay their bills from that used to have a job because of the unfortunate uh, right-sizing. Um, in, in that situation. All right, speaking of unfortunate, what's happening in Quebec is unfortunate. I mean, Quebec seems really kind of strange to me in, as far as their regulations. I mean, on one hand, um, you can't vape. Uh, on the other hand, you can light up a cigarette or, or, a, or, a, or a joint, which is actually combustible, uh, com- uh, you know, lighting something on fire and inhaling it. So there's a lot of strange things in my mind, uh, especially this next story we're going to talk about, a ban on products, including books about cannabis. Yeah, there is a legal challenge underway to overturn that ban uh, pretty much on all cannabis swag. And, you know, that includes books, magazines, T-shirts. Basically, the provincial government is arguing that the ban is intended to reduce the harmful effects of cannabis use on the public, uh, particularly young people. Their lawyer compared to two restrictions on tobacco advertising. Um, the, The Canadian press is reporting that Christopher Manello, who's the owner of Prohibition, um, that's a you know a head shop, a chain of, uh, of accessory stores based in the Montreal area, says that it doesn't make sense that it's had to stop selling this kind of merchandise after legalization. <laughs> uh, they say that you know after 35 years of selling products, um, they weren't expecting for it to become illegal with legalization. Um, so chalk that up to uh, some of those bizarre things that have happened with the legal changes. He says that you can't even sell a T-shirt that has 420 on it. For example, uh, he can't sell candles, um, books, like you mentioned, or magazines. So this is a case now that's been argued before a Quebec Superior Court judge. Uh, The trial did end last week, and the judge says that he's going to be deliberating before rendering a decision. You know, this is a bit of a personal one uh, for me. You know, we're banning books now and magazines. Um, You know, if I were in Quebec, that this is something that would affect me personally, or I wouldn't even be able to put a magazine in a cannabis store. And, you know, of course, that's something that's near and dear to my heart because it's something that uh, I do out here. Um, You know, the bottom line is here that cannabis laws need to catch up. Um, Liquor laws are so different. And, uh, you know, they, they're comparable when it comes to marketing and advertising and, uh, and swag and whatever else. And, you know, the, this is just straight up discrimination now is all it is. A hundred percent. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's cannabis is stuck in the middle uh, between can, uh, alcohol and tobacco. And, and I've told you many times my conversation with Anne McClellan uh, about the ta- being on the task force uh, to make the recommendations 
about her saying, yeah, cannabis, alcohol, and tobacco should all be treated the same. But they're not. And they're not going to be. You're never going to get alcohol back in the bottle the way the way tobacco is. So cannabis is stuck in the middle. And all anybody ever is saying in the cannabis industry is put us on equal footing with everybody else. Just let us, you know, exist equally with everybody else. And, and stuff like this, this is a guy's livelihood you're messing with because of a product is illegal. Can you imagine if you couldn't sell a beer T-shirt? The, the, the alcohol industry would be rioting in the streets. I mean, Quebec, get with it. This is 2021. It's not reefer madness anymore. It's an absolute joke. And, you know, when you're talking about books and magazines, that's bringing in a whole, whole different um, element of, of free speech and, th- and things like that. So this, I, I cannot see this uh, challenge not being won because this just seems like this is right out of, uh, like a Footloose uh, sequel or something like that. Instead of dancing, they're banning books. It's an absolute joke. It, it feels like this is sort of the political climate of the day too, right? You know, the um, the politicians make the laws and then the courts tend to interpret them. And uh, so many times these laws get challenged in court and it takes that whole process to open them up. You know, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing it in Manitoba when it comes to being able to grow your four plants at home. And we're seeing it in Quebec when it comes to being able to sell books or t-shirts or magazines. Uh, and it's something that's only going to happen more and more as we open these laws up. Indeed. All right. Uh, this, this last story is one that I will try to uh, uh, keep some sort of composure about, uh, but it does uh, get me a little bit uh, irritated to, to, to say the least. And, and we're discussing the fact that there are, you know, there was a recent survey done uh, with some Ontario doctors who are still scared to go near the plant as far as recommending for their patients, even though medical cannabis has been around uh, for, you know, s- since the, the new millennium here. So this is a story that is so frustrating. And, and I hear that frustration. I've had my own personal problems with the medical cannabis side of things. It's not easy to navigate and doctors uh, overall are not open to it. You know, medical cannabis has been legal for 20 years, and some doctors still aren't convinced that it's legitimate medicine. Uh, CBC story says that some Ontario doctors are hesitating to prescribe medical cannabis to patients who are suffering long-term pain. And a new McMaster University study is showing that that's because some of these doctors still don't know uh, whether it's helpful or harmful. Um, doctors are telling researchers that they by and large just feel ill-equipped because of the limitations on their training and on the evidence that's out there. Um, you know, this this study, again, we're talking about a small study. A lot of them seem to be these days. They only talked to 11 doctors between uh, January and October 2019. Uh, their findings are published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. And uh, you know, the main concern of doctors that were surveyed included that there were potentially harmful effects on cognitive development, uh, possible worsening of ex- existing mental illness in patients, uh, that the the drugs effects on um, older adults, I should say the plants effects, the drugs effects would be the doctor's words, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that may include dizziness or drowsiness. Now, you know, the, the bottom line again here is that just doctors need more proper guidance and better education. Um, right now, they they want cannabis to be put through the same paces as pharmaceuticals, and you know if that's what it takes, uh, bring it on because uh, that's that's what I think needs to happen. They just need more documentation in order to feel comfortable and in order for those um, you know guiding 
organizations and institutions for doctors. Here it's the, the BC College of uh, Surgeons and Physicians that tend to get in the way uh, and throw roadblocks in the way of medical cannabis. And, you know, as you mentioned uh, about this story, this is a pretty small group, uh, you know, so obviously you're not representing all doctors in Ontario. I, I know there are some great doctors out there that do believe in uh, the plant because they have done their own research, just like any doctor out there could dive into and do some research. You don't have to wait until your handy doctor's guidebook shows up that says, hey, you should prescribe cannabis to patients. Um, and But there are also some very ignorant doctors out there, um, just like all walks of life. I, and I'll tell you an experience. I went to a doctor one time. Uh, they asked if I used cannabis, and I said, "Oh, I, I mostly vape." And they said, "Oh, that's that's terrible." And I said, "Oh, I, no, I vape flour. I, I don't. I, I do sometimes vape, but most of the time I vape flour." They, oh, that's even worse. And I'm like, "You don't even know what you're talking about when you say that. It's so. It makes you look so ignorant." And again, that's one doctor. But there are many doctors out there like that that just, you know, don't want to do the research. They're only going to go out of the book that, that they get. They're not going to explore other things. And then there's other doctors that are like, yeah, I want to learn more about this for my patients because maybe more of them are asking. And, you know, the research, there's a lot of research out there. There's a lot being still done. Um, but, you know, this is this is also, I think, part of a lot of doctors that, you know, they're only doing what their little doctor book tells them to do, and they don't look at any kind of other possible solutions. That, that's my opinion on it with some doctors. Other doctors, they're really open-minded, and they dive in, and you know they can make some recommendations. I mean, the framework of being a doctor is, of course, challenging, and no one wants to take a risk with their license. I, I get that. And I think that that's where the, the base problem comes with the organizations that are throwing up these roadblocks. Um, you know, the, the, the organizations that regulate the medical industry and just don't make enough information accessible to doctors uh, and give them the opportunity to prescribe. Mm -hmm. yeah, research is certainly uh, hard to come by. Uh, we're going to speak with somebody in the in the next couple of weeks that is uh, in that situation, doing some really great re research on the plant, and uh, kind of we'll find out just kind of what those roadblocks are from there. Because I, I agree with you. I think there's a there's a I, I don't think any doctor without any research should be recommending something, but certainly there is a, a lots of research out there. Uh, that people can, or, you know, maybe the doctors can get in contact with somebody who does uh, know that, and then that's the, the recommendation you can make. But certainly, uh, I understand um, I understand the, the hesitancy, hesitancy because of, uh, you know, you know the you don't want to be recommending something you don't know about. But again, the research is out. There's a lot of research out there that people can do, uh, including doctors, and they can find out just how, uh, you know, how helpful this plant can be uh, for some people. So, well, we'll let's and let's look for a second too, my friend, at, at the COVID nineteen vaccine and how quickly we were able to certify mm -hmm. the safety of that. Cannabis is is much more than a year old, and I think that we can do our due diligence and figure out the uh, you know the science behind the plant. We, we have we have the minds who can do it. Bingo. Great point uh, to end things off today. And uh, hopefully those minds change over time, uh, just like the seasons do. And uh, you guys went from snow to this beautiful green grass, which I'm sure uh, it's it's like, uh, what's it, like 35 degrees every day right now in the Okanagan? <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, it Soon looks beautiful. Enough, 
<laughs> it looks beautiful, and you guys will get there soon. David, thanks so much for joining me as usual. Find uh, the OZ on Twitter at Okanagan Z and check out the site www.okanaganz.com. Have a great week and happy 420. Happy 420. and follow us on social media at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter, at the Cannabis 101 podcast on Instagram, and at the Canna 101 podcast on Facebook. You can email us at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com.